Welcome to Mission Audition. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli for Voices.com. In today's episode, we are going to be showcasing seven podcast-style auditions for a fictitious podcast called Gold Spotters Pod. We'll get into the company and job description in just a minute. But before that, I'd love to introduce you to our guest. Today's episode, we have with us Brian McKeever. Oh my goodness. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so great to see you and, and to have you here. And, and we've actually never met in person before. So, so this is a real treat to actually meet one of the only coaches we have in the Boston area. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been great to work with you guys. And uh, it's, been, it's been awesome for us. So thank you. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, Brian, I'm going to share a bit more about yourself before I ask you to jump in as well. But for those of us who are new to Brian, Brian's a senior audio post-production editor, mixer, and sound designer at Soundtrack Boston. And he's worked with clients such as Toyota, Cleveland Golf, National Grid, and McDonald's, to name a few. Now, as a voice of our talent, he's also lent his voice to thousands of projects, from commercials to training videos and documentaries and animation projects, and has actually been teaching for quite some time now the craft of voiceover to his students for over a decade at VoiceOver Intensive. So, Brian, like, I know I just went over a whole bunch of awesome stuff about you, um, but I would love if you'd share with us a bit more about your background. I see you went to Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a uh, music production engineering major at Berkeley College of Music, and uh, you know that gave me the foundation of uh, sort of the audio background that uh, got me into the career I'm in today. Which you know, originally I was planning to be a, a music mixer or producer. Discovered audio post production, discovered the world of commercials, which is the primary business for Soundtrack Boston, and uh, loved it. You know, loved the the work working with agencies, creating you know spots, you know TV and radio stuff. And we've we've moved forward to things like you know theatrical commercials. We've done films and and documentaries, and so I always enjoy that piece of it. And uh, and a major piece of that was voiceover. Uh, you know, meeting talent. I never understood what that was about. You know, we did some mock projects in school, but coming into a facility like this, working you know as an intern and Seeing talent do what they did and seeing, uh, you know, a creative director or a copywriter directing a talent and what they said and how it was interpreted and when there was great direction with terrible talent or terrible direction with great talent and how that worked, it was by osmosis kind of gave me a real good education uh, in what voiceover was. Um, And that led to, uh, you know, as an engineer having to do scratch tracks, having to do temporary tracks for people just to time things out or see how they worked. And, you know, then one day somebody says, as it usually happens, hey, uh, we loved your voice on that. Can we use that? And uh, we'll pay you. And it's like, well, why would I say no? Um, and and that led to, like, maybe I could do this. And uh, from there, you know, started here and there doing some stuff. And, uh, and eventually it steamrolled a bit. And it definitely picked up once the online casting thing became a major part of our client. Our clients started using that. We started hearing about that, and we'd get voices from all over the place uh, through those services. And it was, uh, you know, then I, and, and and we started. I started teaching right around that time, and that's what led to kind of having to discover what the like, for example, Voices.com. So we said, "Hey, have you ever heard of this?" I'm like, "I haven't." So I'll check it out, and I did, and found it to be a very uh, an excellent place to find voiceover work. That's awesome. And it, as I was listening to your story, Brian, it reminded me of Don LaFontaine in a way, because Don, he started in the more the, you know, production side of things. And, um, you know, someone one day didn't show up to work. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Don, do you think you could read what you wrote here? Do you think? And and then he, you got a decent voice, they say to him, right? <laughs> Something like that. Right. And, you know, from there, it's history, right? Everything yeah. else is, is uh, as we know it today. So um, I think a lot of talented voices 
voice artists do actually come from the production side, uh, and you have that skill set. So I would really love if we could have some of that extra knowledge come into the podcast uh, from your background in audio production. And as we go through these seven auditions, we will be hearing these pearls of wisdom from you, no doubt. So um, without further ado, we're going to jump right into the job posting. As I mentioned before, this is for a company called Gold Spotters. It's a musical talent discovery and star-making platform for teens and young adults. Our audience is mostly composed of tech-savvy Gen Zers who exclusively use their phones and social media to find new artists and listen to music. Remember that beyond the roles consumers, they're typically, you know, budding talent themselves. So those users, of course, prefer the authentic DIY approaches to production and promotion. Keep that in mind when we're listening. And in one sense, the podcast will accompany and boost the platform. So remember, this isn't just about the talent signing up. It's about the platform itself. So the voice actor who performs each episode intro will serve as a gold spotter's brand advocate. Not only are you appealing to those people who would sign up, you're also speaking as the voice of the brand. So at the same time, you want to have that voice in the podcast to stand out on its own for listeners who don't yet use goal spotters, but yearn for youthful and authoritative advice about online music making and self-promotion. These are adolescents who are hard at work, they've got lofty dreams, and they're bound by all things musical, the love of all things musical, which I think, um, given that you went to Berkeley, Brian, I think you can totally get into that too. Absolutely, yeah. There's a passion there. There's a passion that's always involved with making music, so they're bringing that to this. Mm -hmm. Oh, and we want to hear that for sure. And the last point, one of the last points here, so far as artistic direction goes, has to do actually with the accent that we're going to be listening for. So the town have been asked for this podcast to sound like they're from the tri-state area, but we're still open to other interpretations. We're looking for a voice who can briefly introduce our listeners to a series of topics related to producing music and getting their tracks heard. Each intro will last around 15 to 30 seconds, and scripts may range from technical how-tos featuring complicated instructions to more laid-back industry anecdotes or the bios of young musicians. I think we've got so much creative direction here, we don't know what to do with it, frankly. Like, I think this is probably one of the most well-described creative directions we've had so far on the show. You can write in and tell us if you think so or not, but right now now we need to get into the show and we're going to listen to these seven auditions make sure you've got your pen and your pencil or whatever you're taking notes on ready because we are going to have a great time today let's listen to audition number one what's up guys welcome back to gold spotters the pod all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. Well, Brian, what do you think? Well, you know, excellent pace. Uh, Her enunciation's great. What I like about it is that uh, a natural voice and natural phrasings, you know, she sounded interested in it. It could have maybe been a little more energetic or excited. This is an exciting – again, the passion and excitement has to come through. Um, there was no accent. So, I mean, maybe that could be considered a minus on it. But the uh, – you know, uh, she understands the copy. And I think that's a big deal here is that she understands what's important in that script and kind of brings it out. And she sounds young enough, right? Yep. The youthful yep. aspect is there for sure. Um, while we're on the accent piece, though, I did want to ask you about the tri-state area. So for those of us who are not Americans and we do not live on the east coast of the United States, uh, can you tell us about what the tri-state area is, um, which states that comprises of and the accents that one might find there? 
the tri-state accent is kind of a blend. You've got New York, you've got New Jersey, and sort of southwestern Connecticut. There, you know, there's a there's a New York accent that you could take to almost parody that has the New York. You know, it it it's interesting because a variance of that becomes a Boston accent where we lose R's and things like that. So it takes away some of the vowels, lightens them up a bit, um, and and it it has different flavors. I don't I don't know if it's one generic accent as much as it is a certain areas. You know, a Brooklyn accent versus you know New Jersey. Like it tends to have some nasalness to it. People tend to work that a little bit more in, the, in a nasal range as opposed to a cheap, deeper chest resonant range. So that's you know my understanding of it, and uh, you know it's interesting because. Having it done uh, organically, it's amazing. When it's not, it's very noticeable that it feels like a little bit of parody. And you have to be careful of that, um, depending on, you know, for example, uh, advertisements. I did one for years ago for Cape Cod, and they wanted to have a slight New York accent. But when they heard it, they felt it might have been a little too parody-ish. And therefore, it could offend some of the people who come up to Cape Cod from New York. And so they ditched it. They went with a no-accent read. Wow. So it might actually be safer in some cases to say neutral accent as opposed to trying to get someone who um, isn't a native speaker, we'll say, of that accent yes. and grow up with it. Um, to Because, yeah, you can you can do some serious damage to a, an accent if you don't know how to do it, right? Yeah, And you've offended absolutely. all kinds of people. Um, they don't feel that you are authentic, that you're legitimate, that you um, can actually speak to them as someone. Who, who comes from where they are. Yeah, I mean, that's why there's dialogue coaches, you know, for actors to, to keep it in that zone where it's authentic and real and doesn't go. And, and with some varying levels of success, um, especially with the Boston accent, it's a hard one. Um, New York is as well. Uh, a Southern accent, you can take that into parody very quickly. But if ever asked for an accent, I will always lean on the lighter side of it. I will go with something where there's a hint of it, uh, unless specifically said this is parody. He's a crazy cowboy from, okay, well, fine, we'll go into that zone. But a uh, very different voiceover versus an animation side of things. Absolutely. Um, great thoughts on that audition. Let's move on to audition number two. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters, the podcast all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. I like her. I like her accent, uh, and I think her pace is good. She sounds like she's cool. You know, and, and has some authority. Like, she knows what she's talking about. From uh, on the other side of things, I think that it could have been a little smoother in terms of the phrasing. Cool people talk smooth. And, and there's a bit of a choppiness to some of that read. Um, maybe a little bit more energy it would benefit from. And, uh, and, and in some places, there were some things in the copy she didn't hit. Uh, as much, you know, the certain things that would have been important, like the, it's all about cutting your teeth. Like, like those are, those kind of hits are important, but her pace and her accent and her authority, I think really make that stand out. Yes. Uh, I think her read was definitely, it felt like she was, uh, really speaking to those people. I did notice that it, it was a bit more staccato, more choppy. Um, even to my untrained ear, I began to doubt whether or not the accent was authentic. Like, to be honest with you, I began to doubt whether it was authentic because it didn't sound fluid enough, unless there are a ton, a ton of pauses um, in how they speak in that particular area, let's say, of because um, I'm not exactly sure which accent that was. Um, right. For you, Brian, what did it sound like? Because, I mean, there's probably people like me who are thinking, was that Brooklyn or was that Jersey? I, I would lean toward Brooklyn. Uh, over Jersey. Um, I feel like that's probably closer to that. I might be wrong, but, uh, you know, and again, sometimes I think in some, you know, in the in the mind of someone who's casting, they may think it's Brooklyn when it actually is Jersey. Like they're, you know, uh, somebody asked us one time for a New Hampshire accent. 
I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I don't and, and honestly we asked them and they didn't either. They just took that as a direction from their client. It was an agency producer and they took it from their client. And so we're digging and finally it was just it was more of the performance. It wasn't an accent as much as sort of a laid back kind of vibe. So hmm. you know, in some cases it may or may not be, but if it's that's what's in their mind. Um, but I would I would lean that one towards like a Brooklyn some New York, not New Jersey, and definitely not Southern Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. I I could see that, like, what does New Hampshire sound like? Or what does Vermont, for that matter, sound like? Um, beautiful? <laughs> There's lots of trees. There's a lot of green mountains. Um, Relaxed. Yeah, that, that's, my, um, that's my limited experience of those states speaking on here. And I, I love those states. I've driven through them. But sometimes we just don't know what an accent sounds like. And that's why it's good to check uh, sites like IDEA. I don't know. Do you have any um, experience with the International Dialect of English Archives? I've heard of it and and certainly had people reference it. Absolutely. And I know we've written about this before on the Voices.com blog about IDEA. Um, just pulled up here uh, the website for anyone who is interested. And certainly, like, open your browser now, leave it, and go back to listen to our podcast. But the website is dialectsarchive.com. So dialect with an S, dialectsarchive.com. Well, that was all very, very interesting. Now let's listen to audition number three. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters, the pod all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. Another natural voice for it and, and some good variation in the read. I like how she started into it and her pace was good. I'm not sure if that might be too much accent. You know, uh, it felt like that that started to cross over that line. And, uh, and, and again, kind of a little bit of a choppier read. The, the, the authoritative thing kind of asks for a, a phrasing that's smoother because that, you're confident in what you're saying. You don't have to think about it each time. And I, and I wonder, too, if, if her pitch, where she was in her voice, might have been a little lower than higher up, I think, might have felt a little bit more energetic and excited. And, again, this is an exciting thing. The Gold Spotters pod, it's, it's, it's hip. It's something that, there were, that people are going to aspire to. That has to be in the voice as well. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about something you said, and not a lot of people listening are as familiar musically with what you've said. Brian, how important is it that people are speaking in um, where their voice is most comfortable? And we would call it the tessitura. It's like your playground, you could say, as a voice yep. artist. It, it's where you feel safe, you know your boundaries. You're always going to sound awesome in that space. Why is it so important that their voice has that sound to it, that it is in its best place? Well, it's it's always going to be the place where it's most easy for you to be authentic, um, you know, because you're not worrying about trying to hit the right pitch while you're getting the direction of the copy while you're performing the words. Like like the if you're if you don't have to think about your pitch side of it, that's one less cognitive thing to process during the the, the work of the voiceover. And it's you know certainly as a talent, you need to be able to expand upon just that natural range to other places because you want to have as much you know as many options available so that you can have as many gigs as possible. And that's you know, but 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 your natural voice. That's honestly that's where we start people. Um, you know, in the training side of things, and where they should work when they're practicing is in that natural voice. Once they start to get the mechanics of voiceover, the breathing, the the projection, pronunciation, pace, pitch, all those things, like then they can start to work outside of that and and take all those things, that foundational stuff, with them. It's just like accents. I mean, some people like to do fun accents and character voices. But it's, you know, it's harder to do that while you're doing all those other things. Better to get to those after the, after you've kind of got that foundational stuff going. Yeah, because as you're saying, it becomes effortless. 
It's it's yes. just where you're most comfortable, you know. Um, so that's those are all awesome points. Thank you very much for sharing your advice in this area, though, Brian, because it, it is crucial that people understand, um, you know, what their limitations are, because we can't do more with what we've been given than it can do. And yes. sometimes you can elongate or you can strengthen, you can build up different areas, but that takes a lot of work and that should be done, I would think, under some supervision. So, yes. okay, perfect. Cool. Ooh, well, that was a good one. All right, let's listen to audition number four. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters, the pod all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. Good authority. She hit some good emphasis points, and and the vibe and the, and the accent I thought were were pretty good. You know, there, it wasn't over the top. Um, you know, a, a pace a little slow, a couple pauses that felt a little weird. You know, but but uh, could be fixed. The the from a technical standpoint, this is the first of the auditions listening to that felt she's too close to the mic. There's a presence boost there, and, and you know, you can make the case to say that when a client's listening or uh, somebody who's looking for a voice, that they, uh, you know, they're going to listen to the voice and and not notice those maybe technical challenges, but. I kind of liken it to uh, your art portfolio. You go to art school and you come out and you have a portfolio of your work to show people. And, you know, two people walk in with the same quality of portfolio. One is pristine, beautiful paper, clean. The other one's, you know, got coffee stains, wrinkle, whatever. Presentation, I think, matters to an extent. So, you know, if, if this this person, they had a good performance, had a couple tweaks to make, but – you know, my ear listening, and maybe it's a subconscious thing, felt maybe a little bit that that presence boost wasn't helping. It wasn't helping her voice, I don't think. So is this an opportunity for us as those who are talent first, producer second, to kind of take a, a moment and be like, am I, you know, is my mic technique okay? Um, you know, should I add processing? Should I not add processing? Like, there's probably many questions that someone sitting isolated in their home studio is thinking when they're simply an artist. So, you know, how do we know if we are too close to that mic or how do we know if we're too far away from it? Well, you know, that's a tough question because, uh, you know, it's it, unless you have something to reference, it's hard to kind of discover that. So I think it matters, you know, you know listening to the, the people who are listening to this who have access to these auditions, hearing that that audition versus some of the others are going to hear that that puff, that movement, that low frequency kind of muddiness that's there. There's a reference. You know, in any of any voice lessons you do or anything, it's great that if an instructor records you and passes that to you because if you've done it with somebody in a studio and, and it's it's clean, that's a great reference. You know, to speak to the idea of like, do I need to add processing? You know, no matter what, every recording starts with, you know, doing it as as well as possible with the microphone and the space it's in. So, you know, and a good rule of thumb is is not getting too close to the mic, but not being far enough away where the room's an interaction. Uh, there's there's acoustic reflections and things. So, and I think, you know, especially now and with the situation where everybody's recording from home, there are people who have never had to record from their home space before and they have their acoustics are of varying difficulty levels. Um tend to move closer to the mic in order to alleviate that. They, you know, And the idea is that, oh, if I'm closer, uh, it'll be more my voice, less of the, the surrounding noise and reflections. But there's a limit to that. And uh, there's only so much we can do in post-processing. So the matter there, I mean, and, and there's rules of thumb that people have, like two fists or your thumb and your pinky kind of as a distance, off axis, not straight in front of you, off to the side, you know, you know, 40 degrees, 30 degrees up. Those are helpful. Um, certainly the, uh, the spacer, and you can't beat physics. And that's one of the hardest things about sound is it goes everywhere. 
You've got reflections inside the space. You've got ex- internal noises, computers or fans or things, and then uh, an HVAC, and then external noises. If you live somewhere and you have windows in the room you're recording in and there's a fire station two doors down from your apartment building, when the fire trucks go out, you're going to have to stop recording for a moment. And that's, you know, with the acoustic side of it, there's things you can do. There's solutions that go up and down the, the spectrum of cost. But I think that it would be better to have a recording where, yeah, we're hearing some of the room for an audition, then have it too close to the mic where it's 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 kind of pushing that low frequency bump stuff. It's it starts with a good recording and that means, you know, not having the mic, not being right up on the mic. And you know, for people who are vocalists, people who are performers, you know, MCs that are used to having a mic right up on their mouth, you know, that is you know, they're used to maybe that sound which isn't necessarily as appropriate for for voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're speaking to an audience of one, not a concert hall. So, right. why don't we move on to audition number 5? What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters. The pod is all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. I like her voice a lot, and, and her projection and her, her diction and pace are great. Um, it felt a little flat in terms of the energy. It felt like we didn't hit anything that maybe we knew. And then there was no accent there, um, which, again, might have been a choice uh, just to kind of go with a, a neutrality as opposed to trying an accent. Um, and and the, the direction said that, you know, that could be an option is to kind of maybe no accent at all. But, the you know, it was a natural voice. It just it felt a little not as energetic maybe as it needed to be for something as exciting as this as this pod. Yeah, I, I think well, you're trying to reach teenagers and they're they're not easy to reach on the best of days. So, you know, to cut through, to have that personality. And I think in um, what's possibly more important than energy level is just that connection and that I'm I'm like you. Um, you know, I'm I'm a teenager or I can sound like one, you know, but the authenticity piece, especially for this generation, is huge. Like they need to hear from somebody who is telling them the truth, who's been there, who they can trust. Whoever is doing um a voiceover recording, especially to the people who are of this generation, you do need to sound like they can trust you because they will sniff it out like so easily. Absolutely. And that honestly, I think if there's one direction for auditions or reads that I've heard more than anything in the last 20 years, it's we you got to sound natural on this. We want a natural voice, no matter what the copy is. Sometimes the copy doesn't lend itself to that. When you're talking about APRs and and, and financing terms and lease deals, yet still, you know, we don't know. We're not going to talk about that naturally at a bar hanging out. But but that's the expectation. And that's a skill set to have to to stay in that zone while you're saying numbers and percentages. And, and you know, for this, it luckily, this is, you know, this is starts out. What's up, guys? It's a conversation. It's natural. And so those first three words dictate how this read should be and really kind of play it. Like you said, authentic, they, they know it. And, and I think, I think most people know when they're being authentic and there's that natural, like, Oh, I'm doing a voiceover. So I have to put on a voiceover voice, like, like, which takes it right out of that zone. It's and we don't want that authority anymore. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just these auditions are just flying by and there's so many good comments that are coming after them. I sincerely hope that you are all taking notes, perhaps tweeting about this too, you know, just maybe. Uh, and uh, just share these tips with other people because um, voiceover is a community and it's really like a, a big family in a lot of ways. And if you haven't yet found community in voiceover, you, you found Mission Audition somehow, you've just been listening to it, but you don't know 
know anybody in voiceover, please go and find Voices.com on social, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever it is that you, you interact with people, because then you can come across really wonderful uh, peers. Uh, but you can also find people like Brian, people who are there to help guide you on this journey. Uh, Voices.com has a coaches directory of which Brian is a part. And if you go to Voices.com slash coaches, then you can totally find amazing people, including Brian. Um, it really is something that um, is it's a career development tool. Yeah. You, it, you it, need it can't to exist community. in a vacuum. It can't be in a vacuum. The uh, you know, if it does, I don't think it grows properly. You need, I mean, at the very least, you're listening to commercials and, and voiceover narration pieces and, and documentaries and, you know, even even the onboarding video for an, uh, HR for a company. You're hearing how, what, why did they pick that person and, and how did they say this and why do I like their tone or why does this not appeal to me? Why does it doesn't work? You're, you're never going to stop training. You're never going to stop analyzing the voices you hear and be that with somebody in an improv class with you or peers hanging out talking about stuff or, or listening to stuff that's on air or even listening back to some of your old spots and, and thinking about how I could have done that better. That's that that iterative loop of training, that constant kind of feedback loop of figuring things out. It has to be organically with other people involved. Mm-hmm. And it's not just people who are beginners who practice. I'm sure you are practicing, as you've said, Brian, um, but everybody from your A-lister Hollywood celebrity on down, they have to keep sharp too. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, they may have more offers being brought to them on a, you know, silver platter or something than most people. But I mean, they have to stay conditioned. They have to still be able to do what they're known for and, and yes. to grow even and to try new things. So, no, I think that's awesome. All right. Well, we have two more auditions. Let's listen to audition number six. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters, the pod all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. The first thing that struck me about this audition that I liked was there's a conspiratorial tone, which for the listener, you know, as, as, as the intro to this podcast, it's like, hey, I'm sharing a secret with you. Um, not anybody else, just you. And I know that's, you know, maybe that's not exactly the case. It's a podcast. But the, the idea of, of, of framing it in that way shows some thinking. And, and you know, by, by doing that, that level of thinking, there's, there's an intelligence behind the read. The, the, the accent level, there wasn't much accent there. there was, it, had a, it had a right age and tone and, and sort of uh, vibe for it. But and the pace and energy I thought were really good. A little bit of mouth noise. Again, that's a technical thing. You know, that's, you know I don't think any client's going to hear that and have a problem with it. The, and the phrasing could have maybe been a little bit smoother in a couple places, but not overall. Overall, very good. But that, that right off the bat, what's up, guys? Like the conspiratorial tone. Uh, I liked that. It, it spoke to me. You know, if, if you know, putting myself in the mindset of who's listening to this this intro. Mm-hmm. That was an excellent performance. What I'm just thinking is like mouth noises, and not to pick on on her because that is absolutely not what I'm doing. Is there something that you would recommend people either eat before a session? Like, let's say it's before a meal, or I mean, you need some food in your stomach. Let's just put it that way. Yes. What do you do, Brian, as someone who does this day in day out? How do you manage this, and how do you go on to prevent or address a mouth noise in your performance? Okay, well, I'll start with saying that uh, I'll try not to eat within like about an hour of a voiceover. Now that doesn't always work because sometimes a client, you know, emails me and says, Hey, we got this thing. Can you get this to us by two o'clock? It's one fifteen. I just had lunch and guess we're going in. But, um, and to speak to your point about, you know, having to have something in your belly, I had a guy who is a double scale, 
uh, voice of God talent. He's a local guy. He's done stuff nationally. He was a national car brand voice for years. Um, and uh, I used to record him a lot. He used to come over and record a lot. And uh, he had the stomach growl. He just didn't eat breakfast. And 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 we'd have to get something in him. And we try to stay away from the particulate stuff, um, you know, cereals and things. You know, the reality is mouth noise is caused by uneven mouth irrigation. It's it kind of gross to think about. But the, you know, your, the amount of saliva, too much, too little, it's going to be a problem. There's that 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 zone of you have enough, but not too much, not too little. And, uh, you know, the the tips and tricks for that side of it, number one, avoid hot beverages. Obviously, avoid alcohol. I wouldn't say drinking before a voiceover is a good idea in any case. You also don't want the really cold stuff, both for vocal reasons and also within your mouth. We provide room temperature bottled water for our clients or for the talent to come in. That's honestly the best choice, yeah. Um, if you like tea, let it cool down a bit before you drink it. And if you come to the point where you've got somebody with mouth noise and uh, we can't mitigate it by prior you know, fixes, uh, you know, for years it was apple juice. Apple juice is a similar pH to our saliva, so it allows it to kind of irrigate you a bit. You know, sugar-free gum, which means you got to take it out for the read. That's not great. Believe it or not, I mean, Grant, you were saying about apples. Granny Smith apples actually have a very you know, distinctive amount of acidity that help with mouth saliva. They'll stimulate it when you don't have enough. Um, if it meant going into the bathroom and swishing with the room temperature water kind of irrigate things and spit, that's fine. Not using mouthwash, again, an alcohol-based problem. Uh, but he had somebody in the booth, they had mouth noise. You worked around it. You know, you had to retake things. You you could cut it out where there weren't words, but if it was in the middle of a line, you know, we could we could get very precise with our digital editing down to the the sample level, uh, you know, without affecting things. Didn't always work great, but now there's tools. You know, I have to say that you know, Isotope that makes a processing plugin, um, they a suite of a bunch of different plugins. One of which is their RX suite, uh, RX seven, I think, is the latest version of that. And there's a mouth declick plugin. Which Ooh. is miraculous. Mouth declick uh, is part of it. it's a standalone plugin. I use it in Pro Tools, and uh, it's it renders out as a as a processed kind of rendered plugin. It's it's been amazing. Um, but again, like just like the mic technique thing, if you try to fix it at the source, that's the most organic way to do it, and the best. It saves you time. If you're if you're auditioning, and you're doing voice work. If you have to take the time to fix it afterwards, that's time spent not auditioning for other things or doing other jobs. One of my most important jobs is to make you know give the talent everything they need to be successful. The easier I make their job, the easier my job is. Um, you know, so if it means an ergonomic setup, making sure there's light on their script stand, making sure the microphone's placed comfortably for them. Are they right eye dominant, left eye dominant? Like, which side should it be on? The, uh, you know, the idea of having water there for them. You know, it's one thing if they said they needed a particular spring water from Geneva. That's a difference. But but room temperature water is not, and, and some apple juice in here and tissues. And, like, we have a basket uh, both for voiceover recording, and we also have another basket for like ADR for actors that has like Afrin and stuff that has some other mystical things, which I, those I'm not sure of as much, but for the voiceover side of things, the easier I make it for the talent, making sure their headphones sound right, make sure that the, 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 the temperature of the booth is right. If they're happy with all that stuff, it doesn't distract them from the work they got to do. And the session goes better. The product is better. Everybody's happier. Clients are happy and, and they keep booking us. Sweet. So what's in that basket? If I'm a voice talent sitting at home listening to Brian McKeever talking about this, yep. what should I have at my side as I'm recording? Like what is in my basket? 
Well, I mean, the room temperature waters, some apple juice. Uh, we did apples up until recently, the the Granny Smiths. Um, sugar-free gum for those who didn't want to do the apple juice of the apples. Um, you know, uh, uh, napkins uh, and, and Kleenex. We've had, you know, when we have a long session, a narration session, um, or like a long IVR recording all of the voice prompts for National Grid or something, we made sure that there was snacks available. Um, you know, and with those, yeah, it violates the rule of eating something during a voiceover, but... The, again, stomach growls and a hungry talent is now distracted from the work they got to do. So there's, there's tempering that rule. But that's that's all it really is. It's it's not a fancy basket. It doesn't have, you know, uh, Godiva chocolates or something. Or it doesn't have it doesn't have fancy chocolates. or No dairy or in there. No, no, no caviar, no dairy. Um, you know, it's it's just there to basically meet those simple needs. And not, they're not complex, but it just makes a better product. I love it. I absolutely love it. Everyone get a basket, fill it with the stuff Brian just said. It will save your session. All right. Well, we've got one more audition. Let's listen to audition number seven. What up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters, the part of all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music bills. Uh-huh. Okay. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on the streaming platforms. I like her personality a lot. I think that, you know, for who she's talking to, she's she's trying to meet them on that level and that and it works for me. The uh so like the personality and the attitude's great, the pace is good, and it's a again, a natural voice. I that accent feels authentic to me. That doesn't feel like it's put on. Um, you know, uh the energy was a little low. You know, uh, there wasn't as much excitement as might want. It, it didn't lean toward that conspiratorial from the other one. Um, and I feel like maybe that also the energy and projection kind of go together. It felt a little quieter than it needed to be. From a technical standpoint, background, the only audition so far with background noise. We I could hear like an HVAC motor type sound in the background, which – Again, you know, it's it's not it doesn't not a deal breaker. If you love that read, then that's not going to change anything for you. But but again, putting your best foot forward and trying to kind of eliminate those things in some cases might mean positioning yourself somewhere else, turning off an appliance nearby, whatever you can shutting events, covering events, whatever you're going to do to kind of fix that. Well, definitely like some of the reads as you've noticed have had accents and some not and some lighter and some heavier. Um my one thought here, only and it's just because we're at the end and we've heard so many different voices up to now, is is the accent actually a hindrance? Like is that limiting the people who this could actually appeal to because it might not speak to them in the same way. Like I, I know that this happens when you localize something, you you mean and you intend it to be for a certain audience because you want it to be for them. If this is truly tri-state area, then I totally get it. But if this is like anyone can do it and we just happen to like this accent because it kind of sounds cool and it's going with the what we want to project, then is the audience actually bigger than what the script is suggesting in terms of its direction, do you think? For this one, yeah. I think that, you know, it's a podcast. It's it's You could be listening to it around the world, Australia, Korea, you know. It's uh, – but the one thing to think about, you know, it's to say – you know, there's a danger of going too much into the accent because, again, the parody side of things. But if the accent is somewhere that's aspirational, New York City is an amazing place. And there's been amazing music that's come out of New York City. The first time I thought about music coming out of New York City was the Beastie Boys in the 80s. And it was like, you know, Def Jam and everything. And so, you know, thinking about like, you know, the 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 audience for this, I would say that going to New York or being a part of that tri-state area kind of music scene – 
is something they'd aspire to. So for this, I would say that it doesn't bug me. I I wouldn't go hard on the accent. I would definitely pull it back. I would I would have a, a hint or a little bit more than a hint. But it wouldn't be like you know you can't gauge it exactly. But 100% accent, every word is affected. 50%, it's most of it, you know, a good chunk of it. I would stay in the 20% range where you're hearing it, but you're hearing it here and there, end of sentences, beginnings, not every word. So, and for those for whom it's aspirational, for some people, it won't make, what is that? They won't know what that accent is. Why does that mean anything? So it, I don't think it'll offend them, but uh, for those who know it, might think that it, it adds something to it being on the, the geographic location and what that means. Okay. Well, we have found ourselves at the end of the line here. That's all seven of the auditions. And Brian, as it always does, the decision as to who wins this episode of Mission Audition does fall to you. So um, you've had a lot of time to think about this. I have. Uh, well, what do you think? Uh, you know, uh, number six was my favorite. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gold Spotters, the pod all about cutting your teeth and getting noticed in the music biz. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at crafting original cover art that captures both the vibe of your track and who you are as an artist. Plus, I'll teach you how to create a looping visual to enliven your image on streaming platforms. Uh, that was the conspiratorial tone. There was a thinking behind it. I liked that tone. I thought it was, uh, you know, it just, it brought me in. And that's what that's what any any voiceover does is it engages the listener. It's got to do something, otherwise you're just reading. Otherwise you're not giving anybody a reason to pay you to talk about it because you're not making anything more of it than just the words. Oh, fantastic! So, Brian, um, your work is done so far as picking the winner and giving all this amazing feedback. Thank you for the lessons today. Um, now, if someone wanted to reach out to you and perhaps study with you or learn more about how they can work with you, what's the best way for them to do that? You know, reach out by email, uh, brian at voiceoverintensive.com. Uh, I'll get back to you pretty quick when I'm not in session. And, uh, you know, it's everybody's different. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. We discovered that very early on, that, that A, people have different genres they're going for. Some people want to do audiobooks. Some people want to do animation. Some people want to do commercials or narration or industrials or e-learning or IVR or promos. And, and so part of it is, is that foundational stuff, which commercials work really well for because they're small. They're microcosms of an overall – uh, piece. You could work your way through an audiobook in your lessons, but maybe not always hit all the things you need. So so a lot of pro a lot of the students we work with, it's a commercial start. And there's a lot of commercial work out there. So the idea here is people some people are doing this, they love it, but there's also the idea of wanting to make money using your voice. And that's a for for people who love this, the goal set being there, uh, it's it's well worth it. And commercials get a start in that. Beyond that, it's, you know, uh, we kind of figure out a plan. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's interactive, kind of a meet by Zoom now um, and kind of figure out what they want to do and, and shape it that way. Our goal set is that you don't need us, that you have, that you can analyze scripts and understand all those things, the pace, the personality, the projection, the, the uh, you know, performance aspect stuff that, that then you're out on your own doing this. You don't need us to, to coach you on it. Awesome. So that's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at voiceoverintensive.com. And for those of you who love to visit websites and just can't uh, stay away from them to, to learn more about what Brian's doing, you're going to want to go to voiceoverintensive.com. There's a lot of great information there about the classes, uh, workshops, private instruction, and your VO demo creation. So thank you so much, Brian, for being on the show. This was great. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh I have to say, being a part of Voices.com as both a talent and then as a coach and, and seeing all the stuff you guys do as outreach has been great. I mean, I've, lear I've learned stuff. And, and I think, again, I've been doing this for 27 years as, a, as an engineer, you know, you know, 15, 16 years as a talent and, and a coach for a decade. And, and 
you're never not going to learn stuff. And you guys have provided a platform for that. So I thank you. Oh, so, so great. I, I just cannot. I, I wish that we could do this in person. Obviously, we can't. But it would be amazing to meet you in real life um, sometime. So thank you, Brian, for being here, for joining us. And uh, as you know, everybody, you can find all the scripts that you hear on Mission Audition online on Voices.com's blog. Just go to Voices.com slash blog. And if you want to join the conversation, you can always go on your favorite social media channel and use the hashtag Mission Audition. Thank you for listening to our show today. We hope that you're doing well and make sure that you keep using these tips in everything you do because they will only benefit you. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next time.